Ring belong is from CZ on the track about Bigfoot and chocolate, British Bigfoot and chocolate biscuits. CZ is available on YouTube along with CZ on the track holds of the extra. Please watch out and here is some of the following British Bigfoot and chocolate biscuits. So now, ladies and gentlemen, live and in colour, it's Mr. Wayne Love Juice. The other day I produced a movie as a chat with an interesting chappy who said that the YouTube algorithms really aren't that happy. So we, so we decided we could text ya Whenever we've got a piece of news in our new book on the track extra Well ladies and gentlemen, here we are again for another On The Track Extra. And again this week, because this is two weeks after the last time we filmed with him, we have our old friend compadre and, I still can't think of what's called him, team member I guess, Richard Freeman. And while Richard is in the kitchen making silly noises to the dog and trying to find some biscuits, I would like to show you this. This is Richard's new book. It's the second part of his series, In Search of Real Monsters, It's Adventures in Cryptozoology, and I seriously recommend it. There's even a foreword written by me. And if that doesn't make you want to go and buy it, I really know, don't know what will. Well, Richard, it's nice to have you up here again. And it's always nice when you come up here. The dog loves it when you come up here, except I gather there was a bit of a misadventure just now involving the dog. Yes, we were having some tea and some very nice uh, cherry and chocolate biscuits, two of which I'd taken out of the packet and were holding in my hand when he jumped on my lap and mouthed them thoroughly. So... He was chastised, called a Tory voter, and, which was the worst insult I can give to anybody, and uh, the biscuits were given to the chickens. Well, I've just said, well, right, I'd like to say he looks chastened there, but he doesn't, does he? Yeah. Well, in recent years, we have, as we've mentioned a few times recently on the show, seen some disturbing trends in cryptozoology. Young people don't need cryptozoology, John. We've got Japanese inflatable love dolls in fursuits. <laughs> <laughs> One of these things that has been sort of front and centre in the minds of many people who consider themselves to be cryptozoologists is the subject of British Bigfoot. Now, before we go any further, I am not, with a capital NOT, saying that British Bigfoot don't exist, because I have seen one, 
and I know other people who have seen them, and there is absolutely no doubt that these things do exist on some sort of scale, on some, in some sort of level. But what I want to address today quickly is why, despite people's claims, British Bigfoot cannot be flesh and blood carbon-based life forms like me, like Richard, like the dog, or like Squeaky Biscuit who's up there on top of the fish tank. So Richard, not saying that they're not alive and they don't have an objective reality, but what are the problems from the zoological framework of British Bigfoots? Well, <coughs> mainland Britain is about the, the size of the state of Oregon. But it's got something like 65 million people living in it. It's one of the most deforested, overpopulated countries in Britain. It's a matter of space. There is countries in Europe. Yes, yeah, sorry, countries in Europe. It's, it's a matter of space. There's not enough space here to hide a population of seven to eight foot relic hominins. Um, you can't have just one. You've got to have a base population of them. And even if they were ultra rare, not only would they be seen more often, there'd be nowhere really for them to hide or lurk, and nowhere for them to breed unseen, and they would also be turning up in British folklore as well. Now, it's not like mainland Europe, where in Scandinavia you have legends of trolls, which dovetail very nicely into the Russian Almasty, the wild man. Um, they seem to be, in a lot of cases, one in the same. And you still get rare sightings and reports of hominins from places like northern Finland and northern Sweden. Uh, we're an island. We're an overpopulated island with not much woodland left. And you just couldn't hide a population of these creatures. And you would see them in the folklore of Britain. If they were, they'd been here since time immemorial, uh, you, they, you would see them in the folklore. And we, we have giants in our folklore and ogres, but we don't have these hairy man-like creatures that you get in Scandinavia. There's also the matter of food. Because in a lot of the places where so-called British Bigfoot have been reported, there just isn't the biomass to support a viable population of creatures of this size. No, no, there's not. I mean, there are deer in Britain. There are good populations of deer and rabbit and stuff. And there are edible plants. But I think it's more a case of we would have seen them by now. We would have found them. When we investigated the, the beast of Bolam Lake, that's what, 20 miles away from Newcastle? Yeah, something like that, 35 or something. It's a few hundred acres. You don't have a population of eight men living in a, a country park of a few hundred acres that's used by dog walkers and anglers. and, and it, They would be seen all of the time. And also, most of them seem to have this sort of ghostly demeanour about them. 
They seem more like phantoms than flesh and blood creatures. One of the things that mildly annoys me is when people who are desperate to believe that these creatures, these things, are real flesh and blood living animals, they come up with the most peculiar ideas. For example, it's been claimed that the reason that we don't see these creatures, even though they turn up in the middle of built-up areas, is that, especially in the north of England, they live in um, disused coal mines. Which, in another way, let's blame Thatcher for cutting down the coal mines, blah, blah, blah. That's why we have BHM phenomena. And that, I don't know about you, Richard, I think it's completely ridiculous. Well, what were they doing before that, then? What were they doing before they were lurking in disused coal mines? Well, people don't seem to understand that for something to evolve into living in tunnels it would have taken a hell of a lot longer than the time between the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and now. And also, as dear Glenn Vaudrey proved, he phoned up the coal board and asked them about access to these underground coal mines and they've all been blocked off and they are all, now they are not being pumped free, full of water. So not only are these creatures living in underground coal mines, but they have got sort of man from Atlantis uh, gills in, in their throats. It's nonsense. And this goes hand in hand with the people who believe that there are surviving dinosaurs, that there are pterosaurs flapping between somewhere and somewhere else, but stopping off from Britain on the way. It's all nonsense. And when people do see these things, there is no doubt that people see these things. But we have to look at an alternative explanation. And my particular one would be to reference the concept of reality tunnels as thought up by Timothy Leary and Robert Anton Wilson. But that's another day. And that's about all that we got time for today.